Welcome back. Yes, we are back in the dungeon. Scream Squad is... You're like, welcome back for the second time, but no one else knows that. Right. Well, that's true. (laughs) All right. So this is is going to be the second uh, time we actually record this podcast. Are you... uh, Are you... You're you're recording, right? Oh, my God. I'm, like, super recording. Right. Yeah. So, um... It has been uh, it has been a minute, and oh, by the way, yes, uh, this is Scream Squad with Chico Leo and Leo Fairman. What's happening? Um, and we it, it it's been a minute, and basically, uh, Krampus Nacht came early to the Scream Squad, and Leo and I have actually been in sacks uh, on on the side of a mountain, uh, <laughs> waiting waiting to be uh, flung off the mountain for the last month. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, luckily, we uh, we escaped Krampus by the skin of our teeth, um, and so now we are uh, we are back in the dungeon and uh, and 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 ready to get back on that horse. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and this time, actually recording the podcast. Right. Exactly. Instead so <laughs> instead of just talking. So in fact, <laughs> yes, exactly. We were so uh, shaken up by our experience uh, spending almost a month in a sack on the side of a mountain, uh, having been dragged there by a monster. That uh, yeah, we uh, we had a huge recording snafu when we tried to record a few days ago. Yeah, and and you you know what? It's like you know how in life. You have those moments where you're like talking to someone you're attracted to or you say something really stupid among like a group of friends. And you're like, I wish I could redo that. I want to look at this uh, today's podcast. We're going to make this podcast even better than the last podcast we did not. That's right. That's right. That one was just actually a a, a practice run for us to Mm -hmm. shake off all our podcasting rust. Right, um, it's like that uh, Tom Cruise flick. What is uh, Edge of Tomorrow? Yes. We're we're Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. We're 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 doing it again. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What are we talking about in this episode? We are so well, even that requires an explanation. (laughs) So, due to having been the aforementioned, uh, you know, kidnapping by Krampus, uh, we had planned to do an episode uh, reflecting, uh, it was like Native American and uh, Pacific Islander Heritage Month back in November when we planned to do this episode. That also coincided with um, us for the first time releasing the movies in advance as a uh, that had been suggested by some people on Twitter. And so this was also one of the first times that I don't know if the, the movies were unvetted, shall we right. say. So then there was uh, a period once we watched the movies where neither of us liked one of the movies. I, I really liked one of the movies, um, but neither of us had seen either of these movies before. And that, I think, is not something that regularly happens on Scream, Scream Squad. So because we had already announced it, um, we sort of went through with it, but we didn't end up uh, able to record the episode. Uh, why? Why? Why couldn't we record the episode? Because Leo fucked up. No. Because we were in sacks on the side of a mountain. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Thanks, God, it's so hard to like jiggle with the recording button when you are tied up in a canvas sack. Exactly. So, <laughs> it's really you know, hard. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we, we yeah. Uh, one one day we should release the episode that that uh, only has my audio on it. 
Oh, yeah, that'd be great. And the people could, you know what? They could DIY their own episode of Scream Squad. Exactly. Make your own episode. (laughs) And it would sort of be like, uh, you know, um, Garfield. Or you could listen to it alone. Oh, like Garfield without Garfield. Garfield without Garfield. Oh, God. Man, what a good. You know, I've I've forgotten about Garfield without Garfield, but that was like for a while one of the best things that existed on the internet. Oh, yeah. It was just the greatest. Yeah. So, all right, back to Scream Squad and horror movies. Um, we uh, picked two movies, The Borrowers and Wendigo. I actually really liked The Borrowers. Um, I did not like Wendigo. And you, uh, Leo, were have basically classified Wendigo as... Uh, what did you say before I, we talked? I said, I, I, said, I said, so, you know, we definitely have a Scream Squad Hall of Shame, and I think that the number one entry in that current running Hall of Shame, which will determine in the coming months as we, like, go back and see what's going on, but I think Wendigo uh, takes the takes the gold That's as right. it is. That's right. Um, it's probably the worst movie we've ever had on this on this show. Right. So this... this uh, we're only following through. There's been several times... Uh, where we have actually like picked movies, then watched them, and then been like, "Nah, we'll we'll pick something else." Right, we would have right. done that with Wendigo, but we had already announced it, and people had yep. already watched it. So, um, yeah that that won't that that won't happen again. Uh, we'll 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 figure out a way around that. I I like the idea of announcing the movie, and we'll announce what we're gonna talk about next time before we get before the end of this episode. But um, yeah, it won't be. Yeah, we we don't want to have duds like this unless you're a big uh, Wendigo fan, which uh, you know, let us know. But uh, I can't imagine that the the Twitter is gonna be uh, you know. It's not possible. The, con- the convergence of our aud- of our audience of horror fans, like with appreciation of this movie Wendigo, I think must be nil, nil to none. Yeah, like, I, just, yeah I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, well, let's uh, let, let's then let's start talking about uh, the borrowers. The borrowers, uh, because I, yeah, I, um, I actually enjoyed the borrowers. Um, you did. You did. I, I think there's. I think there is plenty to enjoy about the borrowers. Um, and it's and it's a worthy watch. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't think I overall find it great but there's a there, there there there's some strong there's some strong details there's stuff to like for sure i mean my biggest issue with it i didn't think it was shot that well like it felt like it was like you know a mini series from like the you know early yeah 80s. just the way it was shot it was sort of a little clumsy and could have looked a lot better like i happen to like the horror western which is a you know a legit you know subculture i mean there's been tons of like weird western and horror western comics and um this one had an environmental angle and it definitely uh had a lot of stuff i mean it's based on a native legend Uh, oh no this one isn't based on a native legend they created a new native legend but there were you know there were multiple tribes and multiple native characters of both genders and uh i thought and and i thought the uh you know the monster was cool you know, like I'm, I'm thinking right now about the Western horror, and I'm wondering, and I want to know your feedback on this. Do you think there's something with a lot of modern horror? There are these aspects where they provide stuff that's like highly relatable, like you know, uh, a a person who lives alone in an apartment, and then horrible things happening. You know, it's like, well, we live alone in apartments, so it's like we kind of can place ourselves there. But when it comes to Western horror, um, or you know, horror in the Western genre, it's weird because that, that world is so far removed from us now. 
Right. That it's almost like we get like some distance and we can kind of like treat and react to what happens in those stories in a different way than we can in like, than we do in like a Japanese horror film or something like that. Um, there's just, there's no attempt to kind of like bring it into that present day. So it's sort of, it sort of does afford a distance, maybe like, I don't know, uh, a, a different kind of relationship to the things in it that are meant to scare you. Well, all right. So we don't, I, this is, I'm going to say two things. I, I do think we are distanced from it in, in, in some degree, you know, like, you know, by, you know, 150 years of time. But I think, you know, when you think about, um, so the Western as a, as a concept is like an American thing, right? Right. And, it, and right. it's, and, and, and the sort of quote, the conquering of the West, or actually, as they put it, the settling of the West, um, is, you know, a huge, huge, huge important part of American history. And I think, you know, in the, you know, it was first presented like in Western, you know, uh, movies and books and stories and stuff as this sort of noble positive thing. But after World War Two, you start getting a real, you know, maybe people taking a second look at what, you know, the conquering of the West, the settling of the West really entailed. And you can only look at it through a horror lens or by looking at it at a horror lens, you can sort of demonstrate some of the stuff. So, you know, the 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 reveal of the, the the monster in the borrowers is that it's something that used to feed on buffalo but can't anymore because the European white settlers have killed all the buffalo and now they're eating humans. Right. Which is which is great, and that's true. Like it I guess by by having affording that distance but also placing it in a historical context, it's able to uh, sort of like uh, establish something about the, the 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 horror of that conquest, the inherent horror. So this is, so you're saying like it's almost reflective. Yes, and 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 yes, ab- absolutely. Like there, it's it's ta- you know the the horror. The reason why it's cool is that the whole horror element it perfectly fits in with the story of the settling of the West. You know, like that was right, a real. Right. Um, you know, that was a real thing that happened was that they, they killed off all the buffalo in like a hundred years. Like, you know, the 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 plains had been just flooded. You know, there were millions and millions of buffalo and they literally killed millions of them. You were talking before we uh, before we recorded or, or last time you were talking about uh, Dead Man, you know, the. Right, right, right. That scene in the beginning of uh, of the Jim Jarmusch movie, Dead Man on the Train, which like I will never forget, and um, was a real just, thing. They would that they happened. Like, it was like a cool thing. Like they didn't couldn't show a movie on a train in like you know the eighteen seventies. So they were like, bring your gun and you can shoot buffalo from the train. And people would have these like you know they would just stop. The train would stop when they come to a buffalo herd. And people would they would just sit and shoot out the window until they you know shot out they shot up the whole herd you know that's it's fucking crazy if there's one thing that Americans can do is is like really meaninglessly consume right <laughs> like, well like and we I think awesome and the, one that. of the most horrible things was they didn't actually you know they didn't like get out and you know skin them yeah like eat the, eat meat. the meat they or shot them to shoot them you know yeah what I mean like yeah, it's, it's like it's outrageous so and 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 um. 
you know, most of America was planes at one point. And uh, this movie, I thought, although I, I still criticize some of the, a little bit of the cinematography, it's like the one thing that I didn't love about the movie. It does give a sense of the vastness of the plan. I mean, you know, like, especially when you're traveling by horseback, you definitely, you know, you could ride for three weeks and you'd still, you know, it'd still be the same sort of, you know, flat or rolling hills, but that same sort of huge, 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 like American Savannah. Yeah. Yeah. It has that thing that's like in a lot of uh, Westerns, which I always like, which is the, the, the kind of bleak isolation of like a few people at a campfire in like absolute wild darkness. You know, and by like putting that into a horror context, like kind of adds another interesting layer to that yeah. feeling of, you know, like just being like alone and insignificant. Um, and this definitely does that, too. It has those scenes. But yeah, the, the, the Western horror film, I think, is a legitimate subgenre of both horror and if it's if it's not a subgenre of the Western, it's definitely a reaction to that, like hagiographic or however you say that word that, you know, um uh, ha- hagiography or whatever of 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 that made like you know us settling the West this big noble incredible thing, um, right. and I mean you could say it's definitely impressive, but I think that the Western horror thing has to be a reaction to the you know so many of the terrible things you know killing of the buffalo, the killing of the Indians, the despoiling of the land, the uh, you know. All the lies, you know, the broken treaties, uh, you know, the slavery, the post slavery. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I, I, I do think that's yes. And, and that's one of the things about the West, though, I think is that, you know, the story, and this includes that the story of the former slave, you know, out free and trying to make his way is you, you do see that as part of the sort of Western thing. And that's in here Mm -hmm. as well. Um, because the Western states were mostly territories, and so there was slavery wasn't legal or it wasn't legal there, right? But like, but uh, but again, like in the cast of characters in the borrowers, like we have, um, you know, like uh, the homie, Mister Antagonist, Actor Man, <laughs> he's always like the same antagonist practically. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, as yeah. A, um, yeah, as a cavalry head, and right. he's he's got his own ideas of uh, of of race and representation <laughs> in our developing nation, and uh, and the friction between him and the black character is you know uh, plenty obviously described. Well, and and that's part um, of the whole thing of it being, I think, a reaction. You know, the cavalry is 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 presented as you know instead of this sort of like they were presented as like knights in like you know. The you know thirties, forties, fifties. You know the cavalry always. You know they you you know they came to the rescue, and here they're you know buffoonish and arrogant and stupid and cruel and yeah, kind kind of even archaic. Like they're yeah. just like they missed it. Yeah, you know. And then so there's a there's basically a family disappears, and a posse gets together. Posse of like four guys, including um. A guy who was coming to marry the like eldest daughter of the family, but um, a posse forms up, and then the posse teams up with a small, you know, group of cavalry men, and then they uh, they go their separate ways. But there's um, there's definitely members from at least three or four tribes. Um, and is there assumption? Uh, I don't recall at this moment. Is there assumption at the start of their journey that 
this is Native Americans who did it. Yeah, so like, the who, assumption, who that's the a family. very good point. So the original assumption is what the 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 Searchers is about, which the Searchers is about, uh, you know, uh, a tribe of Comanche come and um, kill um, a settler, or like a settler family, but they, they kidnap the two daughters. And what's amazing about that movie is John Wayne literally is is searching for his niece to kill her. Because she's been having sex with, uh, raped or, and or having sex with, uh, you know, with Indians. Like, there's a line where they, they, they say something about white women or whatever, and he's like, she ain't white no more. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, yeah. though, like, a statement of, like, open, you know, whatever on racism. Right. I mean, and that's usually, I mean, that, that movie is pretty wild like yes for what for a for a it's a ford that's a ford movie right mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty wild for and like many people think western. his best and and maybe and yeah. john wayne's best yeah like it's usually hailed as like the best western right best western ever and he's really, really worth hotel. seeing although i mean it has some really you know stuff that you can't believe they put on you know screen as as like humor and you know i don't know whatever but uh, no i know what you mean no i think it's totally worth seeing i think it's totally worth seeing oh yeah 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 i would agree but so so yeah i mean uh wait are you familiar what i was gonna ask you something because you were talking about uh like you know that it's presumed that there are native americans who came and uh, slaughtered this family um and possibly kidnap no and no there weren't there was only you know they 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 assumed they kidnapped them Right, like playing right. on the fear of the white, like you know, like the ridiculousness of, hey, we came and are you know posting up on your land, and uh, you know you're the bad guys for uh, coming and uh, trying to get us off. But there's there's a layer of that though, which um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure informs stories like these. I didn't know if you had much experience with this, but are you familiar with um, with captivity narratives? Yes, you know I mean, I've certainly, uh, but I, I can't, I can't like, na- what, so those, the, are they specifically to like people who were like white people who were held by Native yes. Americans or it's a more, it's a general? No, 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 that's specifically what it is. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a genre of literature. I remember I read a few back in college um, for a class and it was a genre of literature that was like massive. It was like, you know, the pulp fiction of the time. Right. And they were usually written, if not written by white women, they were supposedly written by white women and they were about white, mostly about white people and white women in particular getting kidnapped by Native Americans and then kind of being converted into the Native American way of life through, you know, like sometimes through rape, but a lot of them were written as romances. Right. It's like they fell in love with the savage and then they realized how they lived. And then like, and like people would read them like, you know, clutching their pearls, like, oh my Lord, can you imagine? And so like that, it's weird because as far as people can understand, 99% of those captivity narratives were utter bullshit. Oh, sure. They were just, they were just made from whole cloth. Sure. But they really entered into the public consciousness as fact. People read enough of those and they were like, oh yeah, that's what happens all the time. So if that, if that really indeed th- did happen, it was bolstered to like an insane level because of these, uh, kind of tabloid fiction level, uh, you know, circulated texts. So all that stuff is happening too. Whenever you, whenever you see something where it's like, we got to go find the Native American who took our women, it's like, that's all embedded in, in this culture that's informed by captivity narratives. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there, it might have happened every now and then, but that became a trope in Westerns that, you exactly. know, the, the, the red man is going to come and kill you and take your white women. 
Yeah, if any if any of the listeners can realize, we really want to talk mostly about the borrowers. Right. So, so, well, yeah. So I, I, you know, we, we didn't even get into the actual. So the borrowers themselves are like right. these weird uh, mole slash like you know slug. I am mole, not slug, but like underground. They're like kind of insectile, yeah, moleish things. But, yeah, but but they're like you know yeah exactly. I mean. Um, and they live underground, and they come up every once every three generations, and they used to feed on buffalo. But now that there are no buffalo, they've been coming and eating people. And the Utes are the only tribe that have actually figured out a way to kill them, like an actual tactic to kill them. And um, there's other tribes, but the the white people are the settlers aren't aware of the borrowers, but the the Indians all are the different tribes. And that's the, you know, the, the sort of cool thing. Like there's some that, that work with the, you know, with the settlers and some that don't. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just, and then there's an ironic twist at the end, which, you know, sort of highlights the, the Calvary's like stupidity and brutality. But, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I thought uh, I, I thought it all around worked really well and that it, there, there was like a legitimate, you know, it used both the uh, sort of settling of the West to inform the actual, um, you know, the, the, the whole um, mythology around, you know, that they created around their monster. Yeah. And like even to the point where the. Now, again, remember that the borrower creature is something that is also an enemy of the tribes. Like, it's right, not like, exactly. no, it's, it's not one of their homies, but right. there is, there is a, a, a Native American captive that the, that the cavalry, that the cavalry have. And, uh, and there's some, a lot of extended horrible torture sequences of this guy as they're trying to like extort information out of him and interrogate information out of him, um, about whatever's going on. Cause the cavalrymen think it's like people or something. So he wants to figure out who it is. And it's, it becomes clear that the, that the Native American who's being tortured, he knows a lot more than he's revealing. Right. But even under the duress of torture, He's not telling them because he's like, fuck y'all. Right, exactly. Like, you know, he's like, you know what? Fucking torture and kill me. Like, I know that these beasts are going to get you. And and you know what? These beasts could get me too. Right. But I, I'm i going to actually take your... I'm going to actually suffer at your hands rather than help you. Right. So that's sort of interesting. Like, they're... Again, yeah, the burrowers aren't, they're not just the, the manifestation of the ills that the settlers have wrought. Um, they are like you know, an enemy and a blight upon all living things. But they're, you know, as far as the Native Americans are concerned, like since they have a bit more information, they can, they can work a bit, they can function a bit better alongside them or around them, you right. know, just avoiding them and whatever with the information that they have. So that's, yeah, that, no, that is interesting. That, that central conflict uh, becomes really dynamic throughout the movie and is like, uh, and is, I think, ultimately successful. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, apparently it's based on a short, on a short that like, uh, the director made, the director JT Petty. Yep. Um, I think this would work great as like a short story or even like a novella. I might have even enjoyed it more like in, in, in written form. Um, then in the film version, because yeah, like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the things you describe, a lot of the mechanics of the story are really effective. And I actually f was interested sort of in the mythology and, and I felt like I would see more, you know, uh, especially, uh, ones that actually, you know, focus just on like the different tribes dealing with it. Like this, a prequel yeah. of this would be amazing. 
Um, so this is definitely, I've, I, I was into the, like, I could see another Borrowers, you know. I just I wish agree. it was shot a little better. That's like, you know, and it's got Clancy Brown. I mean, it's got, you know, people that you, uh, that, that you recognize. I don't know uh, much about JT Petty, the, uh, the director. But, yeah, so he made a short and then went off and, uh, oh, he's the guy who, um, who's one of the writers in Outlast and Outlast 2. That's right, and the video game's Outlast 2. No, notably, I first heard of this guy by attempting to watch a movie that he made. Um, he made this really notorious movie called S&M Man, um, and it was it's a it's a mockumentary sort of thing. It's kind of both. So it's a it's a documentary that's attempting to explore why we like horror movies, which sounds awesome. Um, and they're actually like real filmmakers in the documentary that he interviews, like and critics and filmmakers and such. But although that's part of the movie. The other part of the movie is about uh, him finding this guy at like this really seedy horror convention, like in Jersey or something. And the guy makes has this movie series called S&M Man. And it's about these women who are like tortured and killed under horrible circumstances in a room. And people like buy them. And these are super low budget independent. So the only way to get them is to go to a convention and buy them off this guy. And he's super fucking creepy. And the movie starts to explore whether these are not fictional movies, whether these are actually like recordings that he makes of women that he's torturing. And I watched as much of that movie as I could stomach, like the, cause they show scenes of, of like what these supposed movies that he makes and they're totally repulsive. Like I could just could not bear to watch them. And it's all fiction. It is not real. Like it is a fake movie. Like the thing is that it's, it's pregnant with enough truth and that it's the, the, you know, the, the contention that it is real just makes those scenes even more horrible. And the fact that they're shot badly, uh, makes it more reasonable that they could be real. And I just found it too nauseating to really sit through, but people seem to love it. It has, there are some critics who champion it. The Burrowers is nothing like that movie in any stretch, but. Um, if you have the stomach for what I just described, if it sounds interesting or unique to you, um, you will probably find other people who would agree that that's a great movie. Um, I personally checked out. I wished out of it. I mean, he's an interesting figure in that um, he's he's like consistently made video games and movies at the same time. And uh, I mean, he directed Mimic Three, which uh, had like a sort of you know cockroach thing, uh, and then S and M Man, and then the, the the Borrowers, and then this was from two thousand eight, The Borrowers, and uh, then a movie called Hellbenders, which I didn't see. But in that time, he was working on you know. Um, he worked on the Batman Begins video game, Homefront, The Two Outlasts, um, Wa- Walking Dead Season 2 video game, all, you know, while making movies. I don't know. There's not many, I mean, are there two, that many figures that are sort of going back and forth doing that? Uh, I don't know. I heard, I think D.B. Weiss was working on some video games when he was doing Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Like, not, not like, and not like as a main writer or anything, but like right. he was... Because that was always like his part of his goal originally was to like mainly write video games weirdly, <laughs> uh, and then you know Game of Thrones became kind of a big deal yep. at some point. Well, doesn't look like he's going to be working on his, um, <laughs> you know, on his, uh, you know, Confederacy. Civil War. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's a lot of time to work on video games or other things. Uh, the small successes we get, right? But yeah, so Borrowers gets a big thumbs up from uh, from here in the dungeon. Um, would you say that? I mean, I don't want. I'll, I'll go with thumbs. I'll thumbs up it. I'll, right. I'll, this is definitely fresh. This is a fresh. This is a fresh mm-hmm. film. So. 
unfortunately, you know, we didn't, we, we did not knock it out of the park. And, um, yeah, the first, first of all, so my Wendigo, Wendigo was, uh, a, you know, independent horror movie back when like both was like indie stuff was bigger, uh, by, by Larry Fessenden. It was from 2001. Um, yeah. Let me see. Well, I feel like I recognize his. Uh, what's he done? I'm, yeah, I don't know any of these movies. Why? Why am I? Um, he did a short on the ABCs of Death. He too. did. He did. But yeah, I don't know why that name seemed. Anyway, Wendigo was awful. I mean, it was. It was <laughs> well, I mean, it was sort of interesting, but but very sort of non um, nothing really happens it's more of a family drama than a human thing um it's got a good cast but they're not not used well right 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 like i i think of and this doesn't happen with a lot of movies i see i would and if i had two words to describe this movie it would be cinematically illiterate yeah I felt at one point that it was like this was just they had just put together a movie with the outtakes from like the real movie. <laughs> right. These were just it, weird outtakes. It is it's that clumsy and strangely like connected badly. It's it if it and the has, pacing is off. Very the, off. the pacing makes no sense. Like the the most of the script and dialogue is just meandering bullshit. Um, there's the, the special effects are hilarious. Like there really are, there are barely any. And then like in some places there are special effects in this movie that are, and this is like literally comparing like, you know, apples and oranges, but they're comparable to Tetsuo, the Iron Man special effects, right? <laughs> which is a much, much better movie. Oh my God. Um, but they actually do like use the kind of stop motion framing thing that Tetsuo did so famously, um, to much poorer effect. It's so freaking weird. Like, they like at the start of the movie. You know what I thought Wendigo was going to be when it when it kicked off because it starts off with like a family driving through like uh, what seems to be in the middle of nowhere. I don't remember if they identify that they're like in upstate New York or something, but they're like you know in the middle of the countryside driving and they hit a deer and a bunch of hunters are really upset with them because they were chasing that deer for apparently eighteen hours, which sounds crazy to me, but that's what the hunters say. Right? And they there's a conflict. It's a very like masculine conflict between the driver, uh, you know, a, a kind of a, a, a city mouse and this like hunter guy. And I'm like, and then the hunter guy is kind of like has some eyes on the wife. And I thought this was going to be a straw dog situation. I thought that was actually where the whole movie was going. Right. Um. And it doesn't. Although it hints at that a couple times, like it's going to be there, but it really, really doesn't. It 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 just seems like such a hodgepodge of t- different tones, and and there's a there's a weird sex scene for some reason that's really bizarre, and it's got the Malcolm in the Middle guy. It's just if if this movie had a certain different audience, or maybe if it was worse in some other conspicuous ways, it would be something comparable to The Room, to Tommy Wiseau's The right. Room. And, I could even see it possibly getting there even now in its current state, but as it is, it was like almost unbearable to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, I, I had heard of it, and you know, wasn't no one had like you know raved about it or anything, but it seemed uh, I had not heard it was awful, and I was aware of it when it came out, and I like Patricia Clarkson and. You know, the kid from Malcolm in the Middle, uh, you know, who's probably got to be like, you know, 25 or now or 
But um, yeah, it it it. I, the less to say about Wendigo, the better. <laughs> um, you know, it didn't really address any. I mean, it didn't have any kind of Native American thing, which which you know, it it didn't it didn't deserve the name Wendigo. I mean, right? Wendigo is an Algonquin folklore. Uh, you know, a creature in in in, in Algonquin folklore. It's a, a mythical cannibal monster or evil spirit native to the northern forest of the Atlantic coast and Great Lakes regions. Um, so yeah, yeah. And the first this, this movie I has ever, a weird what? This movie has a, has a weird, possibly Native American ghost in it. That's the only. Yeah, thing. but it's like for, <laughs> there's no reason that it. You know, the other yeah. one, it was baked in like it was all part of like the the Native American stuff was was central and vital to the story, both the mythology of the creature and the actual world that they were in, and then the plot that it just. There was no, there's no comparison. You know, this like had a random Native American ghost, right. maybe sort right. of spirit. You know, and it, it, this was closer to the uh, Brady Bunch episode where they. Uh, oh my so god! They yes, the tiki thing. That, yes, that's what I was gonna say. I that's forgot. what this was. You yes. know, <laughs> um, except the Brady Bunch joint was much, much, much doper. Yeah, Alice yeah, no, breaks would, her I, hip or her back doing hula stuff. Doesn't Greg almost get eaten by a shark? Or I, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, no, they they run into a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of obstacles right. in that episode. I would watch that episode over this. I one think any it's day a three parter, and I think it's a dry. I think maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think it's a three parter. So it's actually as long as Wendigo is. It could be. It could <laughs> There's really no well reason be. to watch this movie. If you're going to watch this movie, you might as well just watch watch that. Right. Yes, exactly. In fact, that would have been a better choice would be <laughs> the Brady Bunch Goes to Hawaii episode and the Borrowers. That actually, that's a double feature that Steve Scott will stand behind for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, all right. We are, uh, you know, we are back and... Um, yeah, what we have coming up, Chico. Right. So next week, you are, in fact, going to uh, the City of Angels to uh, review and experience and have a whole thing in- involving the new Insidious movie. So we figured we would uh, talk about Insidious movies on the uh, on 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 the next uh, on the next episode. So um, you know, uh, what what are you are, are you going to see four, five, which one? I'm going to see. So it looks like I'm going to see four. Right. Um, and I think I think we could say like we're going to talk about the insidious series as a whole there might be embargo on the fourth one so that you know don't feel like you know (laughs) you're gonna be missing out on that one i won't like go into deep on that. but it's more i want to hear about your uh and i think yeah like the kind of misadventure whole experience of going on a junket and you know going to the screening and you're going to a haunted house and yeah we're, we're staying at we're staying at the hollywood roosevelt hotel which is infamously haunted oh and that's well, actually where I'll, where I'll be staying that, so, all right uh, well that in itself geez i yeah. didn't even know that all right I'll, well, t- I'll tell you i'll tell you if i run into any spirits that night i'm right. gonna be looking all right well bring us uh an ecto uh, or a spectrometer or whatever that <laughs> uh, ghostbusters yo how dope would it be if they're putting journalists up at a at a haunted hotel if they actually like rig the rooms to haunt us right now like, <laughs> that would be actually even though i would feel like my personal freedoms are greatly invaded i would think that was super cool right <laughs> you know like they had ghost whispers coming out of a recorder in my room or some shit so you, are you good. going to a haunted house I don't I don't exactly know the particulars possibly not or it could be that it's part of the whole junket thing is like 
that's surrounding the haunted thing, and then we're going to go interview people. Or, I don't know the full details just yet. Um, I'm going to something. I'll tell you that much. All right. Well, um, I definitely, we're going to talk about it next, uh, w- without a doubt, next episode, along with the movies. So if you want to know what, what's coming up, it's, it's going to be Insidious. And uh, we're also going to hear all about uh, Leo's trip to, to L.A. Uh, so thank you for uh, sticking with us and uh, anyone who launched any uh, rescue attempts to find us. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're back. And, uh, yeah, keep screaming. Keep screaming, everyone. Peace. <laughs>